This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. How many got something out of last week's message from Pastor Cameron about Supernatural Church? Wasn't that awesome? That was such a good word. That was good. Um, I, didn't, I had no idea who was giving that message uh, when I was writing this, and um, this whole series is actually basically like a prequel to, to his message on the supernatural church. We're going all Star Wars on you guys this morning. Um, so this morning I'm going to be talking about uh, us digging our roots and building our foundation in the proper soils. Okay, we spiritually dig roots every day. And if we dig our roots into the proper soil, then God's going to bless that and fruit's going to come out of that. And next week we're going to be talking about those fruits that result from it. And, uh, and if we live in a life where we're producing good, healthy fruit, then uh, we're going to live a supernatural lifestyle. And if we live a supernatural lifestyle, then we, as a community, as a church, are going to be a supernatural church. And we can do all these amazing things that we've been doing. You guys with me? All right, here we go. So we are going to dive right in to, uh, to the Word of God. We're going to hit up John 15, verses 5 to 16. I had no idea. Pastor Ray and I did not talk at all, but when she stood up and talked about John 5, I was like, whoa. Anyways, um, so it's good. Holy Spirit just showing off a little bit. Um, so we're going to hit this uh, John 15, verse 5 to 16. So bear with me here. So I am the vine. This is Jesus talking. It says, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you my friends. For all things uh, that I have heard from my Father, I made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain. So that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command, that you love one another. So, your life was meant to bear fruit. We're all fruit, fruit bearers, fruit growers. Hallelujah. You now own a farm. That's how I'm, you guys are fruit bearers. Um, so your life was meant to bear a lot of fruit, and, and not just any old fruit, but fruit that remains, fruit that's permanent, fruit that keeps going and going and going. But the important thing to remember is that your foundation is everything. Where we get our start is so important. So your ability to bear fruit is directly related to where you plant your, your roots. What soil you dig your roots into will result in the type of fruit that you're going to bear. If you're, if you're digging your roots into unhealthy soil, then you're going to produce unhealthy fruit. It's a really deep thought. Um, now, you, you may have, the, have a huge calling in your life. You, you know, someone may have prophesied something huge over you, you know, years ago. Or, or you may have all these, these thoughts and these plans that you want to do this, this crazy outreach over here, this crazy outreach over here. Like, I'm going to go feed the hungry in, in, in wherever, and I'm going to go you know, speak to the poor or whatever. But the fruit of all of that stuff is directly tied to your root system. Okay, if you focus on the soil that you, that you plant yourself in, and, and your focus is Jesus, your foundation is Jesus, then, then that fruit, that stuff, is going to automatically develop itself. 
Okay, if you plant yourself in God, everything else will, will line up as, as God has intended to. Okay, now, now, one thing that I've learned is that every decision that we make in our life, we're planting seeds. Okay, we're all seed planters. Now, when you make a decision to God, it will, to give everything to God, it will bear fruit. Okay, the biggest decision that I ever made, the biggest seeds that I planted in my life was about, uh, about seven years ago when I was away at college. Um, I had, I had kind of walked away from God and I was getting into stuff I shouldn't have gotten into. And, and one night, the Spirit of God just hit me. And it was so heavy. And then he slapped me around a little bit in a good way. Um, and he says, Scott, what are you doing with your life? You're either chasing your earthly fleshly desires or you're chasing me. You've got to pick one. You can't have both. And so I, I dropped my knees and cried like a little baby. And, and I said, God, I want you. God, I want you. At that moment, I was planting seeds. Now, I wasn't expecting fruit to produce itself so quickly, but five days later, there's a little ginger root in the ground that popped its head out of the ground and said, hi, my name's Carling. It was so quick. It was amazing. Um, the, the seeds that you plant matter because one day those seeds are going to bear fruit. Okay, you guys with me on this? We all as Christians have a calling that is destined to be fruitful as followers of Jesus. Now, what do I mean when I'm talking about being fruitful? I'll take it back a step here. Um, it means that we resemble Jesus in everything we do. When people hear us talk, when they see us walk, when they hang out with us, they see Jesus. They hear Jesus coming out of us. Okay, now, in these verses, it says that not only are we going to produce fruit, we're going to produce much fruit. We're, gonna, we're talking a ton of fruit. Like, I'm talking lots of fruit. I don't know any big words right now, but like an abundance of fruit, an overflow of fruit, okay? Not just a little bit. So, so know that God's plans for you are huge, okay? God's plans for you aren't these tiny little things. God's future for you is massive, bigger than you could ever fathom or imagine, okay? Now, this isn't necessarily talking about what you'll do, but fruit is more about who you will be, okay? God's not after what you'll do. God's after who you are. God's in the business of the heart. God's not in the business of doing. God's in the business of being, okay? Now, also note in this passage is the importance of fruit that lasts. Okay, this isn't talking about, hey, let's go uh, bear a bunch of fruit on Sunday morning and then, and then Monday we eat it all or whatever. Um, but, so this isn't talking about temporary changes. This is talking about permanent growth. Okay, this is talking about um, a character development. Okay, this is talking about who you are in character development that'll, that'll, that'll go not on a part-time basis, but God's a full-time God. Right? God's going to cause you to grow from faith to faith, from glory to glory, and strength to strength. Right? He's not going to do that on a part-time basis. God's going to do that on a full-time basis. Okay? And when we start to permanently bear fruit, we're going to connect better with other believers. We're going to connect better with non-believers. We're going to be able to have more open doors and more opportunities to share Jesus than we ever thought possible. Okay? Because they'll see Jesus within us. Okay? We're going to walk out Jesus in our lives. But what is the key to all of this happening? If I can wrap it all up into one thing. It's verse 5. It says, if you abide in me, if you remain in me. Okay, this next two weeks, I'm going to be talking from the heading of miracle growth. This week, we're going to be talking about the roots that we plant in the proper soils. And then next week, the, the fruits that result from that. Um, but the important thing to remember is it's, it's always got to be roots before fruits. Okay, you, you can't be putting the cart in front of the horse. We've got we to focus on, on settling our roots into the proper soils before fruit comes. Okay? Just like you need a strong, deep foundation when you're, when you're building a large construction building or something like that, um, you, you need a, a, a deep foundation if you're going to build up. And similar to, you know, those, what are they, redwoods, the huge trees in California and out west, the, the massive trees, they have huge roots. They go super deep and super wide. I'm so scientific. Um, so, 
In the same way, spiritually, it's important that we, that we ensure our roots grow into the proper soil so that they will produce the proper fruit that God is looking for in our lives. So this morning, I want to tackle two key principles, and they're actually uh, soils. I mean, talking about two soils that we should dig our roots into in order to produce good, healthy fruit, okay? So the first one is this, uh, the soil of a secret place lifestyle. Got your attention now. CIA style. Secret place lifestyle. Um, so I want, to, I want to kick off with a, with a quote here that I found from a man named Edward Bounds. It says that man is made in the closet. His life and his profoundest convictions were born in secret communion with God. That's, a good, that's such a great quote. I could sit and chat on that all day. But um, how many people here have ever planted a tree? Any tree planters in here? Cool. What do, you, what, do you, what do you do with the roots? What do you do when you're planting a tree? Where do the roots go? Deep. Thank you. Thanks, brother. Um, they go underground, right? They do their, their best growing in the secret of, of, of the underground, the quiet of the underground. Okay, I got a deep, heavy river for you guys. Are you guys ready for this? God wants to bury you and grow you underground. <laughs> yes, good word. All the claustrophobic people in the house said, oh, no. Uh, anyways, um, so God wants, to, God wants to grow you and develop you in that secret place, in the quiet place of the quiet of our devotion life, of the quiet of the sitting and listening to the Spirit, or in the quiet of the prayer closet, just the quiet of soaking in the presence of God. Now, our need to find God is so important. It's traced all the way back to the garden in the book of Genesis. Okay, we read about this really cool guy. His name's Enoch. Now, Enoch was Adam's great, 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 great grandson. Way, way down. But he got to walk with Adam. See, it's a super cool story because Adam was 929 years old. When, you're, when you live to be that old, you get to see a lot of descendants. That's a ton of birthday parties. Could you imagine how many gifts you'd have to buy? for like? Anyways, um, so... Uh, this guy Enoch, he was walking with, with his, with his grandfather, and he was saying, like, Adam, what was it like to walk with God? What was it like to have communion with God, to, to see the maker face to face, to be able to share everything with, with God the Father, the guy who made you, the guy who made the universe? What was that like? He had such a passion and a desire to know who God is. Okay, and in, in uh, Genesis 5.24, it says that Enoch walked faithfully with God for 300 years of his life. And then God took him at 365. He was just a wee babe at the time. He had so much potential. He could go so far. Um, so there's, there's something so unique about this guy, Enoch. It says in the Bible that, that he had intimate fellowship with God. It doesn't say that about any other person in the entire Bible. You can search Genesis through Revelation. It doesn't say that about one other person. He had intimate fellowship with God. Now, if you have intimate fellowship with somebody... You're going to share things with that person that you don't share with anybody else, right? Carling is my best friend. I share intimate secrets with her that I don't share with anybody else because I have a fellowship with her, an intimate fellowship with her, right? If I met somebody today, I'm not going to share with you the same things that I share with my wife. The same is true with God, okay? Did you know that Enoch was the first person in the Bible to prophesy about Jesus' return? Guys, Jesus hadn't even come for the first time yet. He started talking about the next time Jesus is coming. Look at this, Jude 14 Verse uh, 15, uh, Jude 14 and 15. It says, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone, to convict all of them of their ungodly acts they have committed to their ungodliness and all the defiant ungodly sinners, whatever. So, ugh, amen. Um, but um, don't focus on that. It sounds heavy, heavy, heavy. Um, but focus on the fact that God revealed stuff to him. 
God revealed the future of the kingdom of God. God revealed the future of the universe to Enoch because he chose to have a secret place lifestyle. Because he chased after him with, with, with all of his heart for 300 years of his life. He lived in that quiet place that God revealed things to him. Good point. Amen, Scott. Good one. Um, so this principle shows itself even further in the New Testament when, uh, when Jesus calls on the disciples. Okay? So his first priority was that he, he wanted the disciples to desire to be with him. In Mark 3, 14 to 15, we read, this is Jesus talking, Then he appointed the twelve that they might be with him. Then he might send them out to preach and to heal, uh, have the power to heal sicknesses and cast out demons. See, Jesus' main goal was to impart himself and reproduce himself in the disciples before anything else, right? He says, come to me. Come to me. Before Jesus ever sent them out, he, he called them to him, right? Come to me and I'm going to fill you up. Come to me, I'll fill you up and I'll send you out and you'll do awesome things. Come to me, plant your roots in me and you're going to go out and bear fruit. You don't even have to try. All you got to do is plant yourself in me and I'm going to do the rest, right? In the, in the next chapter, Mark chapter 4 verse 10, says later, when Jesus was, where? Alone. Alone with the 12 disciples. And the others were gathered around. They asked what he meant, uh, what he, they asked him what the parables meant. See, we find here in the midst of Jesus sharing all this wisdom and all this truth in the form of parables, the disciples had no idea what was going on. Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? I don't get this. Like, they just didn't quite get the whole thing of parables, right? But when they got to the place where they could be alone with Jesus, they were able to ask him what he meant by it all. See, when we get to that place of aloneness and quietness with God, he's going to reveal all the secrets to us, right? Like we learned with Enoch and, and God. So when they got to that quiet place with the Lord, in the very next verse, verse 11, Jesus says, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to the outsiders. Hmm. In essence, Jesus is saying, because you chose to seek me out, because you didn't try and figure it out on your own, because you chose to get the answers from me, because you chose to get, get everything from me, and because you chose to live a secret place lifestyle, I'm going to reveal the kingdom of God to you. So good. See, the disciples were instructed, whereas the outsiders were only amused. They sought God out with everything and sat in a quiet place of being alone with God. See, God wants to communicate with us. He truly does. But sometimes when we think of that word communication, we really only think about the active aspect of communication, right? And that's talking, talking. Did you know that 9% of your day will be spent writing or typing, 16% of it reading, 30% speaking, and 45% of every day is spent listening. We spend more time listening in our day than we do anything else. Yet not once have I heard a training seminar on how to listen. I've been to many, many graduations. I've seen a lot of people get awards for their ability to talk. Have you ever seen somebody get an award for their ability to listen? James 1 verse 19 says, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. Is it possible that when that verse was written, that the Holy Spirit had in mind not just the physical application of that verse, but the spiritual one as well? Not just in our earthly relationships, but our relationship with the Heavenly Father. I know that in my life, if I don't have built into every day a secret place lifestyle, if I don't get to spend time quietly listening to the Spirit of God, I'm missing out. I'm unprepared. I am hectic throughout the rest of the day. I get my strength from that time alone with God. 
He builds me up. He edifies me in that time alone with God. Now, it's not easy. There's a whole lot of stuff trying to grab your attention. Right? There's the kids, there's the TV, there's, there's the cell phones, there's your jobs, whatever. Um, but I promise you, if you spend time alone with God, if you spend 15 minutes just sitting and listening to the Spirit of God, just sitting, soaking in the presence of God in, in a quiet place, He's going to speak to you. You may not notice it at first, but what you're doing is you're taking a step of faith, believing that God's going to do it, and He's going to reward that, either speaking to you, or what He's going to do is He's going to actually turn up the volume of the Holy Spirit in your life throughout the rest of your day, right? Take a step of faith. God rewards faith. Let me show you another verse. Psalm 51, verse 6. It says, Yet you've desired faithfulness even from the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Now, are you guys okay if I, if I go a little, little over the edge here? Can I just... Yeah, that's rhetorical. Don't worry about it. Um, so I love looking at the origin of words, okay? I look at, love looking up what, what the, the verses mean and stuff in the original language. Like, how many know that the Bible wasn't written in English, okay? We here in North America think we got it all, and, you know, we go to, like, China or stuff and be like, why don't you speak English? What's wrong with you? Um, but, so, we get offended sometimes, whatever. So, the Bible wasn't written in English, it was written in Hebrew. So, sometimes words can get lost in translation. Like, we can translate it and get a little bit of the meaning, but we don't necessarily get the whole understanding of a verse. So that's why I like to look at the Hebrew and then, and then things are kind of open up for me. Like, I'll give you an example. So Carly and I, we spent uh, a couple months in Haiti a few years ago and, and we were trying to learn Creole and what a gong show that was. Um, so there's this word, uh, li, L-I, okay? In Creole, it's translated he, she, it, we, they, me, I. Like, there's like eight different things that it's translated to in two letters. Like, how are you supposed to learn a language that... Um, anyways I'm going to ask Mark and Lisa they're coming June something yeah I'm going to ask them about that that's good Um, anyways so uh, you you can lose different words and translations and stuff um, under different meanings and whatever so with that uh, let me let me share this verse with you I looked up the origin of what it means to to be in a secret place okay so the verse says you taught me wisdom in the secret place so this is how you chase after wisdom okay if you live in the secret place so the secret place in Hebrew has two phrases, two main phrases that it uses, okay? The first one is this, stop, stop. In the name of love. Okay, you guys will never forget that now. Stop. Okay, uh, second phrase, second phrase. You guys want to play charades? First word. Okay, uh, so, so second phrase. Second phrase, I'll just say it, it's, it's easier, I have a mic, whatever. Uh, so second phrase is, um, now, this is, a, this is a, a phrase that I wasn't allowed to say when I was a child. I got in trouble. So uh, I probably shouldn't say it in church. Um, so, so here, you guys will understand it. But, so the second phrase is the other, the other word for, for be quiet. Seriously, I kid you not, I wouldn't lie to you. I wouldn't say that in a church. I feel like I'd get struck down or something. Um, but seriously, that's the truth. If you go home, look it up in the Hebrew, what it means is a secret place. Stop and to quiet ourselves. See, if we get to that place where we stop and we silence ourselves before God, that's where the wisdom kicks in. If we spend that time alone with God, he's going to speak directly. The, 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 the heavens open up into your life. He's going to reveal the kingdom of God to your life. If you, if you silence yourself and you take a break and just sit and soak in the presence of God. Good word. Now, if we don't hear directly from the mouth of God, it's going to cause us to do it under our own, our own strength, right? Now, when Pastor Cameron and Pastor Sandra came to Kingston, 
Do you think they did it because they thought it would be a good idea? Oh, I, I bet you God would like it if we went to Kingston, right? No, they did it because they heard directly a word from the mouth of God to go to Kingston to start a church and to lead a transformation in the city of Kingston, right? Yes, you guys are in it. Awesome. God wants to talk to you. Okay, believe that God wants to talk to you. Know that God wants to talk to you. He's a pretty good way of getting his point across. Okay, in the Old Testament, he literally talked through a donkey. And if he can talk through a donkey, I bet you he'll talk through your little cat at home. Try it. Just stare the cat down and he'll say something. Um, don't try that. Please don't try that at home. Scott told me, Scott told me to stare at my cat. Um, anyways, so... Where am I going with this? I don't even know where I'm going. Okay, so yeah, when you decide to spend time alone with God, you may be wondering, how do I do that? Where do I get started? Glad you asked. So I've come up with nine different practical ways. I'm very practical. I like seeing lists of things. So nine practical ways of us to be able to hear the presence of God or hear, hear the word of God, to be able to hear from God. So this is setting you up here. So number one, start small. All right, don't go home today thinking you can spend three hours just sitting in complete silence. You will literally go crazy. Start with like 50 minutes. Start with 10 minutes. Okay? Start with 10 minutes. Just, just soaking up the presence of God and then watch where it grows. Okay, number two, have a journal or a notepad that you can start writing little things down as the Holy Spirit reveals them to you. Okay? Write those little things down. It may start as a word. It may start as a sentence. It may be a verse. You don't know. But have, have something that you can write stuff down. Uh, number three, don't give up. Okay, don't give up if you don't hear anything on the first time. Okay, God's a God who responds to faith. Maybe he's waiting to see if your faith will last a week or a couple of days. But don't stop. Don't give up. Okay? God always wants to talk to you. Okay? And, and like I said earlier, if, if you don't hear anything in that first 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, he's going to turn up the volume of the Holy Spirit throughout the rest of the day. Number four, put away the cell phone. Uh, <laughs> I'm so distracted by the cell phone. God's not going to talk through Siri. He just ain't. It's not going to happen. Okay? Um, I'd rather, personally, in my life, I'd rather receive a phone call from heaven than I would the maker of, like, ShamWow or, like, whatever, whoever's going to call me. Uh, like, God's going to speak to you, okay? Number five, take your thoughts captive. All right, in the New Testament somewhere, uh, Paul said, take every thought captive. And what do I mean by that? Um, <clears throat> now, sometimes when we, when we sit alone in quietness, like, other thoughts start coming in our mind, like that honey-do list. Go mow the grass. And then you start thinking about mowing the grass. And then all you think about is mowing the grass and you keep forgetting about what I'm supposed to be doing in this quiet time. Um, so you, the journal can be good for two things. Maybe on the back you start a little spot where you start writing these things down that come into your mind that are distracting. Right? Like, oh, i got to mow the grass or, or i got to unload the dishwasher or something. And then it's, it's at the back of your mind, you, or it's, it's out of your mind, and you can just look at the back after. And be like, oh, yeah, I'll go do that. Okay? Uh, number six, an atmosphere of worship. Okay? I, I feel like God... God speaks more when he's, when, when, and he responds to worship, okay? Like, when, when you worship, you usher in the presence of God. How many felt the presence of God after worship, right? Like, you're, you're welcoming in the Holy Spirit to come speak into your life, okay? You don't have to listen to, like, a whole concert or whatever, but start with a song. Just listen to a song, and then it, it'll open up the door, okay? Uh, number seven, sometimes th there can be a recurring thought. Um, what I mean by that is sometimes there'll be, like, you may get a, a, a word that God gives you a word that you don't think makes sense. You'd be like, well, why did I think that? And then, but if it keeps coming back, keeps coming back, it's from God. It is. So I'll give you an example. Uh, pr the prayer meeting a couple months ago, I was just finished praying for somebody, and then I stood there and ju I just sat in silence and just waiting to hear from God. And he spoke the word dominoes. 
Like, oh, pizza. Are we, getting, are we getting pizza? Pizza at our prayer meeting? This is awesome. Manna from heaven. Ha, ha, ha. Pepperoni. Um, no. So it was actually the, those little, uh, little chip things. What do you, uh, the dominoes is what you call them. But um, I, never, I never got to play as a kid. Uh, little dominoes. But, so anyways, it was, it was a word that God gave me. It was a prophetic word that he wanted me to speak over someone. And I said, all right, God, I'm going to take a faith and I'm going to say it. And then he, he had a prayer that all backed it up and stuff. But I took that step of faith and I, I responded to that word. And then God added to it. Okay? So sometimes there's a recurring thought. That's of God. Uh, number eight, believe that God wants to speak to you. Sometimes that can be the biggest hurdle, right? God always wants to talk to you. He's full of stuff that he wants to share with you, okay? Uh, and number nine, find your mountain, okay? What I mean by that is uh, for Jesus, he went to Mount Olives. For Moses, he went to Mount Sinai. And that's the place where they were able to receive the revelation of God. That's the place where they were able to quiet themselves. That was their secret place lifestyle, okay? For you, it might be, sitting on the couch in the living room. Might be sitting in the back seat of your car. Might literally be on a mountain, okay? Whatever floats your boat. Maybe it's a boat. We're getting a boat. <laughs> yes! <sighs> Amen. That was prophetic. That was good. Um, that's good. That's good. Okay, so, when, and when you do that stuff, your heart will be filled with God, and you are gonna, when you're filled with God, you will overflow God, Okay? Let me, let me explain that. So Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever you overflow in your heart is going to come out of you, okay? I find this most evident when we're pushed into a, in a, into a corner or something, or like you're stressed out or, 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 or things are pushed down in your life. They start to come out when you're, when you're in, a, in a pressure point or whatever, or if you're stressed, okay? But when you fill yourself with his presence, you're going to walk out his lifestyle within yourself, okay? Let me, let me give you an example of this, okay? Um, Last September, we kicked off our youth season with, uh, with an event called Mestival. It was awesome. So we played like seven or eight games uh, that were just crazy messy, and, um, and us leaders went around, and on top of all the messiness, we had like tubs of mustard. We were just spraying mustard all over the kids, and then we had chocolate syrup. We were just chocolate syrup all over everybody. And then we even had like bags of baking flour, we were grabbing baking flour, and just chucking it at the kids. And it's amazing nobody called the cops on us, but thanks, thanks parents, for your faith. Um, anyways... So by the end of the night, all the kids were looking for revenge. They were really looking for revenge. We haven't taught them that vengeance is the Lord's. They're getting it. They're getting it. But, um, anyway, so, so they were after me. I don't know why they chased after me, but I was public enemy number one. And the result of that was uh, this. Yeah, I took it. Uh, so anyways, fast forward. There's a point to my story here. So fast forward three days later, and uh, I was out for a jog, and um, and. I've been running for like 30 minutes or so, and then, and then all of a sudden, I smell mustard. What, what do you smell mustard? And then so I was running behind my dog, and at first I thought she was like dropping bombs of mustard gas or something on me, and I was like, what are you gross, dog? Anyway, so it wasn't the dog. And so I started to remember back to this, this Friday night, and, and, and now I had showered about six times between, between that jog and, and, and this time, but still the, the smell of mustard started coming out of my pores while I was running. You see, my body was enduring a period of intense stress while I was running. And the overflow of what I had been filled with started to come out of me. No matter how many times I may have showered leading up to that point, what I had, what I had been filled with started to pour out. You may try and shake things off in your life or bury them or push them down. 
but no high-powered, super deodorant body spray cologne is going to cover that stuff up when it starts coming back out. We can try and cover up the stress and the hurt in our lives, but when pushed to a stressing point, nothing's going to cover it. Okay? What's buried deep inside will eventually come out. What are you filled with this morning that's going to become your overflow? The best filling is time spent alone with Jesus. The best filling is that time in quiet listening to the Spirit. And then he will overflow out of you. Then you don't have mustard coming out of you. It's good. Jesus is better than mustard. If you learned one thing from this morning, <laughs> Jesus, mustard. Okay, good. All right. Um, so the second and final soil uh, that I'm going to talk about is uh, the soil of Scripture. Um, King David understood this concept more than anybody else, and he compared those who meditate on Scripture to uh, a fruitful tree that's planted by the water. Okay, in Psalm uh, chapter 1, verse 2 to 3, it says, but, those, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, the Bible, and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do, prospers. Okay, what we plant ourselves into matters. We need to be planting ourselves on the right soil in order to yield fruit and prosper. Now, Jesus, he made his foundation the word of God. Okay, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, 24 to 25, Jesus says, Therefore, whoever hear, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, uh, and the winds blew and beat against his, that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. Here, if I could put it another way, those who hear and practice these words is like, like a wise tree who dug its roots into good soil, the soil of Scripture. Now, one issue that I've started to notice in society, and sadly it's even crept into a few churches, is that people are building their lives based on, on feelings as opposed to what the truth says, what the Word of God says, and it's a dangerous slope. See, we live in a world that's guided by what feels right, right? Now, when I grew up, I listened to a Canadian band called Sloan. And they have this one song, and the lyrics go, if it feels good, do it, even if you shouldn't, don't let people mess you around. Doesn't that sound like the world we live in today? If it feels good, do it. See, we should be testing uh, the experiences of our lives through the lens of what Scripture has to say about it, and not how we feel about it or how we think God feels about it. See, I don't want to do something based off what I think God feels about something. I want to do something about what I know his word says. What we imagine God to be like or not be like should never be part of the conversation. The Bible has to come before our feelings or imaginations. See, our society comes at us hard in, in what we believe in. They try and tell us what they think that truth really is. And it's often based on their feelings, right? No, oh, that just doesn't feel right. Or, eh, I don't feel like God would say something like that. Or, mm, my Jesus wouldn't do that. How many heard those statements? If we don't have our roots in Scripture, we're going to be in trouble when our peers come up to us and try and tell us what truth really is. Our default question in any area of our life needs to be, what does the Bible say about this? See, life's going to be full of moments of discomfort and stress and pressure. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. <laughs> Jesus told us that the winds and the, wa the, the wanes, the winds and the wanes would come. But the only way to survive such pressure is to dig our root system into the, into the soil of Scripture. Okay, um, when I went to school, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a paramedic by trade, and um, I would spend hours and hours a day in, this, in the lab going over scenario and scenario and scenario, practicing in, in a, in a no-pressure, stress-free environment. And 
even like in my dorm room, I'd have all my medical directives and protocols like post-it noted to all the walls and even the ceiling over my bed. So like I'd wake up and be like, ah, like <laughs> protocols, awesome. Uh, anyway, so I built that stuff into me. I nailed it into me. Um, and and so, so that when I practiced all these things in a, in a, in a stress-free, no-pressure environment, then when somebody came up to me later and they stopped breathing, I would be able to step up confidently and calmly and, and act as if it's second nature. Okay? Similarly, when you fill yourself and you plant yourself into the soil of the word, when you study it, when you breathe it, when you memorize it, when you live it out, and then one day your coworker of 20 years comes up to you tomorrow morning and says, I've been suffering with depression for the last 10 years. I tried to kill myself last night. Then you're able to confidently and calmly respond with the word of God. You're able to counsel that person in love and speak wisdom and truth into their life that only God can reveal to you when you plant yourself in the soil of Scripture. Okay, we get our daily bread from the word of God. Jesus taught us to live on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's what nourishes us. Hearing and speaking the word of God is what gives us life. Now, has anyone ever gone through a season, whether short or long, where they just didn't get into the word very much? It happens, yeah, being honest. We, get all, we feel like we're all dry and empty and stuff. But then when you do open your Bible, it's like life flowing through your veins again all of a sudden. It's like you're actually redigging your roots and then God's pouring miracle grow into your roots and you just flourish and they just grow and produce fruit and all this awesome stuff. See, the root system is a wonderful thing. This, the analogy of, of roots and fruits is beautiful and, and, it's, and it's, not just, it's true not just in our personal lives and development, but, but the things that we have our hands on as well. Let me give you an example. Uh, about a year and a half ago, we had, we had like six maybe eight kids coming out to youth on a regular basis. And, and, um, and let, let me preface that by saying I, I, we couldn't care less how many kids we have come out. We could have two, we could have 2,000. Like, it doesn't matter. We're going to pour our guts into those kids and, and speak life and breathe God's word into them. But um, at that point, we had about six, eight kids coming out, and, and the discussions were, were really shallow. We weren't really getting anywhere. You know, it's like the answer to every question was like, Bible? <laughs> Jesus. Like, those are just the two answers. Like, oh, okay, yeah, that's great. So anyways, the, the conversation was really shallow. And so we decided to, to take a weekend away, and, and, and we, we, we prayed and fasted the entire weekend, specifically for the youth, just for the youth, just that God would, would open up doors that, that hadn't been opened, that, that there'd be a spiritual depth that hadn't been there before. And we started claiming the promises of the Word of God over them. And that Friday that we came back, we went from a place where we were pulling teeth to get them to say anything to now we couldn't get them to stop talking. It was awesome. It was good. And now, not only that, but because we had, we have, we had such a strong foundation with, with our youth, because we had such a strong, firm foundation and planted our, our, our roots in the right soil, God's been able to, to bless that. And, and we went from carrying that six to eight kids about a year ago to now we have like 20-plus kids on a regular basis. Right? God is good. God is good. Now, as we dig our roots into the splendor of God's presence, we lose ourselves in the mystery of his word. It's there that we get into a place where we can bear fruit. And not just any old fruit, but healthy fruit, good fruit that lasts. And we'll talk about that next week. But the soils that we choose to plant ourselves in matter greatly, for they'll determine the type of fruit that you will bear. Now, if we plant ourselves in unhealthy soils, it's going to result in unhealthy fruit. We're all going to bear fruit. It's just a matter of how healthy is it going to be. What's it going to look like? Good soil and you produce good fruit. I want to challenge you this week as we close that if you haven't taken the opportunity to sit in silence before God, I want to challenge you guys this week, do it. Spend 10 minutes of your day. Put everything away and just sit and soak in the presence of God and I promise you he's going to speak to you. 
promises he's going to show up. He always does. He never lets you down. Amen? You guys received that this morning? That's awesome. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.